0: Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux. Today, I am joined by Matt Collins and Brian Joyner for episode 76 of the show. You can find these guys on Twitter at, at Matt RY Collins and at Brian Joyner. Brian with a Y, Joyner with an I. And uh, you can follow myself at, at @DevJake. And welcome back
1: to the show, guys. How are you? Oh, just wonderful. I just woke up from a nap. So uh- pretty good just wonderful i've been up since 5 30 so pretty good
0: wow uh i was uh sleeping until 10 today so i was off so i feel pretty pretty refreshed to be honest
2: i couldn't even tell you the last time i slept till 10 couldn't tell you the last time i slept till 8
0: that's uh that's sad brian I'll how about look. you are you an early riser all the time
1: all the time you which is to... why it's good i'm a morning news producer that worked out well yeah um that's clutch yeah, it's clutch, and having kids also makes that happen.
0: All right, so let's get to the good stuff here. Boston Red Sox baseball—that's what we talk about. Uh, the Red Sox are 28 and 13; they're a half game back of the Yankees. And in the month of May so far, they've gone seven and six. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez takes the mound tonight. We're recording this during the day, so this has already happened as you're listening to it. Um, but basically, the Red Sox have played really good baseball this year. That's not a surprise. But one thing I do want to point out, guys, is that the Red Sox have already had two pretty long road trips, an 11-gamer and a 10-gamer. And on Monday, the Red Sox kicked off 19 of 26 games at home, while the the Yankees will play 19 of 25 uh, on the road. Um, So this is probably a pretty good thing for them, considering um, they have more home games
2: remaining than the Yankees do. Certainly not a bad thing. could be that. I don't really think it's. I think I kind of think it's too early to start like deep diving into comparisons between the Red Sox and Yankees, but yeah, I mean, it's good.
1: Well, I think it's fine to compare Red Sox and the Yankees, but the differences in their schedule going forward, I think, are not statistically significant at this point.
0: I don't know. I don't think it's too early to start looking at the schedules simply because if you look at it, the Red Sox only have two more long trips coming up, and then after that, their longest road trip is going to be just nine uh, for the rest of the season, and that one's in August. So if they have more games to play, and we think that the division's pretty close, and the Red Sox play a little better at home, um, that's probably an advantage.
2: Yeah, it's fair. It's just, I mean, baseball's so long. So many things are going to happen. I don't know. I just until like mid to late June, at least till after the draft, I. Pretty much don't really focus on anybody other than the Red Sox.
1: That's fair, Brian. Uh, I can't even focus on the Celtics, man. I know that's <laughs> Matt. You find time, but I I can't.
2: That's all I focus on right now.
1: Scary Terry.
0: <laughs> it's Matt's boy. Um. So the Sox have played really good baseball, in part to uh, the offensive performance of both J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts. Um, they currently rank third in baseball with 56 home runs uh, behind the Yankees at 57 and the Indians at 61. The Indians really surprised me there being first on that list in home runs. I was not expecting that.
2: Yeah, they've been pretty mediocre this year. I don't know where their home runs are coming from. Barry Maris, I guess.
1: Uh, yeah, Lindor's been popping them. Yonder, all yeah. he does is hit home runs. He doesn't do anything I forgot else they had him also right. uh, Edwin
0: Encarnacion is in double digits as well
1: right 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 so I think you yeah know, I guess it's been like more the pitching of... for them yeah and they had a lot of solo home runs too I think
0: but this this is in stark contrast to what the Red Sox were dealing with last year when they were you know towards the bottom of the league in home runs and it was just sort of a bizarro year offensively from the Sox so um it seems pretty clear that what they did in the offseason, coupled with the guys bouncing back who they expected to bounce back, really have solved this issue. And the offense, I think it's fair to say, is pretty
2: elite. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, J.D. Martinez is incredible. Um, I like think we talked about it last week or two weeks ago, but like his numbers are insane, and you just don't even notice it lodging him. Like he's just a machine. It's kind of just what you expect at this point.
1: He's right. Matt's right about that. Him and <laughs> yeah, Mookie just keep trading the uh, the batting lead, if I'm not mistaken. Uh,
2: I don't think I Mookie's feel like, ever given it up. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like Mookie's been the best hitter pretty much all year.
0: That's I think that's part of why J.D. Martinez's performance has been so like, low-key, because the guy next to him is performing at an otherworldly pace.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Mookie's a lot more Flashy too, I think. Like he's got those quick hands, and Martinez is kind of just hitting doubles and home runs the other way, which isn't quite as exciting aesthetically, probably.
1: Um, and and Mookie, you know, you get the fielding and the base running, and you're noticing yeah. him at all times. Uh, but JD just his opposite field power is just amazing. One of the few righties who just routinely just Non-ch- not nonchalantly, but just easily hits the opposite field home runs in Fenway. And then in Yankee Stadium, can hit opposite field pop ups that some guy catches in front row. Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah, he had a Yankee Stadium special last
1: week. That would have game, think, too. Yeah. In Fenway, that would have just been nothing.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, but then Mookie That's got...
1: Analysis. Analysis. <laughs>
2: Mookie got killed by Fenway last night with his, I don't know if you guys saw that double off the monster. Yeah. That thing, yeah, that thing yeah. was going like 500 feet.
0: Oh, easily. That's the thing people don't get about Fenway, especially people that don't follow the Red Sox. Whenever they talk about Fenway, they seem to think just because it's an old ballpark that it plays up in the home run category, but it really doesn't. It's, it's a doubles no. park, essentially.
2: Yeah, it plays up a lot in doubles and triples, but not really home runs. Although there are some cheap home runs to be had there, too, for sure, down the lines. For sure,
0: yeah. Um, In terms of Mookie Betts, though, I think it's worth talking about this. I think it was Pete Abraham pointed this out a couple days ago, but Mookie Betts is on pace to score 166 runs this year, uh, which would break Ted Williams' record of 150. First of all, he's probably not going to continue this pace, but do you guys (laughs) think that he does get close to that record?
1: Is that,
2: a Red, sure. is that a Red um, Sox record or is that like an all-time record?
0: That's a Red Sox record as far
1: as I know. I don't know if it's an all-time record. I'm yeah, just going to say no. I don't know. Matt, On previously on this podcast, you've said and I agreed with you that it does, I don't see what Mookie's doing that doesn't seem sustainable. Now, I know that runs has to do with more people than Mookie, but the people he's relying on seem to be pretty reliable, um, so I don't think it's out of the question at all. Given how far he's pacing ahead of it, he could slow down a little bit and be aiming right at it. Um, yeah, I don't think it's out of the question.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's not—it's definitely not impossible or anything. But when I'm asked if I think that a record is going to be broken in May, I'm- Pretty much, I was just going to say no, just because that's the easy answer.
0: So I just looked it up. The all-time record for uh, runs in a year is 192 by Billy Hamilton in
2: 1894. Wow, Billy Hamilton is a lot older than I thought.
0: (laughs) I think uh, this is one of those ones that's probably worth looking up for, like, post-1950.
2: Yeah, well, when you said Billy Hamilton... I was like there's no fucking way. I know he's fast, but there's no way he ever scored hundred and ninety two runs. I think I'd remember that.
0: Yeah. No, that's actually I should go post nineteen forty nine because Ted Williams set that record for the Red Sox in nineteen
2: forty nine. There you go.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, so here it is. Here's the updated numbers. Um one fifty two by Jeff Bagwell in the year two thousand. That's correct. Jeff Bagwell.
2: Yeah. That's not who I would have guessed. No,
0: that's a a huge year. But, I mean, I I think when you're looking at some of the other guys that are in that sort of ballpark, um, Jeff Bagwell, Sammy Sosa in 01, Ricky Henderson in 85, Biggio in 97, uh, A-Rod in 2007, those are all guys that have had similar offensive numbers across the board to what Mookie's putting up so far. Ellis Burks did it in 96,
2: too. Yeah, Mookie's Mookie's been incredible. I guess it's why do long. you hate Think he's I mean I don't know he he never replies to me on Twitter, man. Um, I don't know. I like I said I it wouldn't surprise me, but I at this point in the year I just don't know if I can ever predict somebody's gonna break a record like that.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty tough to do, but if anybody could do it, it's
2: Mook. Yes, that is true.
0: All right, um. So a few quick hits on the lineup, guys. And I want to get your reaction to a few of these things that have happened. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr., we talked about him a lot on the podcast last time because he's been scuffling so much. uh, And we predicted that if this was to continue towards the All-Star break, that he would start sitting regularly. However, he started sitting regularly uh, without that. Um, He did play Sunday. He had his first hit since May 4th but he hasn't been seeing regular time in the outfield. Jay Martinez has been drawing a lot of those starts. Um, how do you guys feel about this situation? Is this the right call by Cora?
1: Well, the, the strange – it's not a strange thing, but they uh, – earlier in the season, it, you know, Andrew Benatendi has problems hitting lefties, which I wrote about today, but they seem now to be – cooler with him being in there against lefties more often uh because jbj can't hit anyone uh lefties included so they seem to be i mean it sort of works into a plan for benny to get more appearances against lefties he got a hit against Mineo last night um i just think that it shows how little faith they have in Uh, JBJ, because I don't think they want to do it this way, but I think that they, you know, this is going to say it again, uh, Jake. I I just think with, like, same thing with the Swyhart situation, All all I'm saying is that we can, there are some situations on the team that are pretty easy to parse, and I think this is one.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know that it's all about Bradley, though. Like, obviously, him being bad plays a big role in this, but I mean, most of the time he's been sitting, it's been for someone like Moreland, who's been crushing the ball. So um, if Moreland wasn't hitting this well, I think we'd see Bradley get a little more time to get back into the swing of things. But right now, you just you can't really justify playing Bradley over Moreland with a righty on the mount. Um, although Swihart getting that start yesterday was pretty interesting. I don't know what that was all about.
1: I my my theory was that he just wasn't and seriously so he wasn't in the no hitter game so they're like let's put a yeah, different guy in the lineup.
2: Out Fair enough and I guess that was like against the lefty that's like the best chance to get him in I guess.
0: Yeah and we talk about um, JD Martinez's defense sort of the same way we talked about like Hanley Ramirez's defense out in left field but in reality when he's been out there this year. Um, even though he doesn't make the spectacular play, he does make a lot of the routine plays. Uh, and he's graded out as pretty much an average defender so far this season in limited amount of time.
2: Yeah, he's been fine. That, his range, I mean, there's still times you're watching him out there and you, um, you really notice how slow he moves around and how he doesn't take the best routes. But overall, he's been fine. You can live with him out there, especially at Fenway
0: i found it interesting i saw a comment from Cora that he was actually asking uh, jd martinez whether or not he wanted to play the field or to dh uh, a few times last week so apparently he has at least some say in where he's in the lineup
2: that's not too surprising i think a lot of stars kind of get that treatment and i mean um Martinez, ah, shit, I forget. He was dealing with some sort of little nagging injury, so that might have played into it, too, seeing how he was feeling and seeing if he wanted to play the field or not.
0: So what needs to happen for JBJ to work his way back into the lineup? Because I think we'd all agree that the best defensive team and maybe the best team altogether is when you have a JBJ who's not really cold playing the outfield and uh, giving us that elite defense.
1: He's got a hit. Yeah, I think that, Right now, it's got to be – he's got to just hit in – he's sort of in the same position as Swihart, although coming at it obviously from a totally different angle, just that at some point when you're in there, you got to force people's hands. And if you don't, as Matt says with the way Moreland's hitting, and uh, I really – just to get back to J.D. Martinez, I think it's cool what Cora's doing in the outfield where – yeah, he plays left in in Fenway, but then he plays right in Yankee Stadium. Uh, they're really—he's not, a, you know. There's no defined role here. There's no. They're just gonna put him where it's easiest, then rotate Mookie and Benny also through center and get everyone used to it, uh, which is good for everyone but JBJ. And he—that's right. He just gotta hit. That's so, it
0: yeah i think it's going to be tough for him to find those opportunities though especially if jd martinez keeps playing decent outfield and moreland continues to hit it just doesn't make a ton of sense the team doesn't have a ton of incentive to play him there unless he's like a late inning defensive replacement um at that point so it's going to be an uphill battle for
2: him here well i think their incentive is what you said um you were right when you said the best possible version of this team includes Jackie Bradley in center field on a regular basis. So that's their incentive to at least get him in every once in a while and allow him a chance to start forcing their hand. Um, this continues for another month or so. Obviously, things are going to change, but for now, they have to find time to give him chances.
1: Think- uh, hold on, Matt. Do you I, just just point of clarification? Do you, do we think that JBJ, let's just say he hits average for him. This pushes Moreland out of a lineup. Do you think that's definitively a better lineup than one with a hot hitting Moreland? I think it's – yeah, I think overall – well, I mean it depends
2: what – what are you saying? Like an average – a league average hitter for Bradley? Yes. And then Moreland staying this hot? Yes no it's probably not as good but it doesn't have to be because if bradley's hitting well that gets cora back to a position where he can start getting that his everybody that regular rest again like he was in the beginning of the year and sort of rotate everybody in and out gotcha
0: um the other guy i want to talk about here is nunez who is becoming um You know, he's been a little bit of a defensive liability pretty much the whole season. I think maybe saying a little bit is probably underselling it. Um, He hasn't been great with the bat recently, but he's probably headed towards a permanent bench role uh, as soon as Pedroia gets back from rehabbing at Pawtucket. Uh, Pedroia did play there a couple days ago. Uh, He's going to be playing there today. Um, So what do you guys make of this situation? Is it definitely... The bench when he comes back and then what happens to Blake Swihart who seems to have not made a lot of his few opportunities that he's had it seems like he's got to be the one to go right
1: yes yeah, if you're is saying going. it if you're saying it it's, it's got to be true <laughs> I, but I'm serious I, I, you're, you're right because the the one role he fills is the one that Nunez for all his flaws is probably better equipped to fill on this team as, yeah, a, I mean,
2: as, a, as a backup. I mean, I don't think there is another option other than Flyhart as long as everybody's healthy between now and the time Pejori gets back.
0: Right, because um, it's a no-brainer. Like, Leon's not going to be the one to go.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, they clearly don't trust Flyhart as a catcher. Right. Um, so they have to keep both of their catchers. Um, Nunez isn't going anywhere. Devers isn't getting optioned. Flyhart's the only guy left. I will say, I think Nunez is going to get more time at third base than we're thinking right now. Um, Devers hit a home run last night, but he's been pretty inconsistent at the plate this year and obviously been inconsistent in the field, too. So I think they're going to find some time for Nunez at third
0: i wouldn't mind that either i mean his defense certainly is better as you pointed out last week over there and the bat i think when he he is more healthy than he is right now i'm just sort of assuming that he's not very healthy because of what we've seen from him in the field but the bat can be decent at times
2: yeah i mean there's definitely more upside here than he's shown um and he's not a good defensive third baseman, but that's definitely his best position
0: so i mean how much more time does this blake swihart era have here a week two weeks
2: What's today? Today is the fifteenth. So ten days, that's when Pajou said he's coming back.
0: So what's your prediction? Does he end up getting put on waivers or does he actually get traded?
2: I think they trade him for like a player to be named later or something.
1: Brian? Nope. <laughs> Jake, that was ominous. <laughs> I think that I think that sounds right. I think in an ideal world, they could package Bradley and Blake and get some something they needed. But uh, no, they can't uh, trade Bradley. They can't. Well, that's why I said it was an ideal world. Um, but not that trading him is ideal. But well, he still has some value. Anyhow, yeah, I, I think I think Matt's right. He'll get traded to the Mets for a player to be named later. I'm just going to say it's the Mets, because it'll be the Mets.
2: No, nah, the Mets got Mazarako, man. They're all set now.
1: Give it a day. Just
0: wait. <laughs> yeah, he does get I hurt, just, like, all the time. I was just kidding. Um, Brian, you, you brought up an interesting thing, because I had been thinking this the same thing, especially since they're not really um, putting that much faith in JBJ recently. Do you think that it is possible that they could trade him? I mean, it, it clearly you do. You just said it, but... Uh, What do you think the likelihood is that they could trade him? Because it seems like you're a little bit bearish on his value going forward. Like It doesn't sound like you're optimistic that he's going to be able to rebuild that value that he had in the offseason.
1: I'm not, however. For the same reason we've talked about him a lot, you can always get someone to buy on some high prospect upside. The problem with Blake— from our perspective is that realistically I just don't, I can't remember any time I've seen someone move off of catcher and then move back. Uh, That doesn't mean another organization couldn't do it with him. Uh, I think you I think you'd be able to sell him for something and Matt saying player to be named later. That's effectively nothing. You know, that's just, uh, I think he has more value than just being cut. So uh, I don't think, they're going to get a great deal, but they need, just need the roster spots. As you know, it's already a roster crunch, and uh, and this hasn't even happened yet.
0: Well, what about Jackie's value, though? Do you think that Jackie's value is going to be able to re- rebound to what it was in the offseason?
1: I don't know. I doubt it. I think his problems are fundamental. I think his, his bailout months they may still be coming, but God, if you got to watch this for four to four and a half months a year, this is probably what he is. And sort of like a minor league assignment to, which I doubt that he would do. Uh, I, I don't know how he's going to build a ton of value. You could obviously, obviously build some, I mean, some people might think that he's just done for good, and I don't think that's the case, but it's gonna be hard. And it's you know, we're all saying the same thing here. I just think it's gonna be really hard. Well the
2: issue with trading Bradley has less to do with him than the roster itself. I mean they don't have yeah, the outfield but you depth can get, to lose that. Yeah, but they could get outfield depth back. I mean anything I mean, I don't think they're gonna get anything better than
1: what they have, which is not which is like well, they're not trying to get – they might not be trying to get better there.
2: But, I mean, I'm just saying, like, if they if they trade Bradley, that leaves them with Martinez, Betts, and Benintendi, and then
1: Brock Holt? Right now, I'm saying, but they could trade – they could get another outfielder, potentially. I think that for all I'm saying, that Bradley doesn't have a ton of value. If someone traded for him, I don't think the Red Sox are going to trade him at rock-bottom value which means maybe they could get a warm body who was older or defensive specialist, something um, that may not be practical, but, you know, who knows? And what about Swihart? Maybe they keep Swihart and put him in the outfield.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> if they wanted him in the outfield, he would have played out. Yeah. night.
1: Yeah. He'd be there already. Yeah, that's for sure.
0: Occam's razor, man. There you go. Um, all right, so it, it seems like you guys both have pretty different uh, philosophies on how you think that Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to end up fitting in with this team and bouncing back. It sounds like Matt is more optimistic about JBJ's future than you are, Brian. Is that fair to say?
1: I, I think if... Matt. I don't think it's optimism. I think Matt is more um, just sort of patient in the sense that, like, what are they going to do? Their best option is just to wait. And hope he gets better.
2: Yeah, I don't think their roster gives them any other chances. I mean, if nothing else, you want that defensive replacement late in games when JD Martinez is playing left field and you have like a two run lead for the last two innings. You want to have Bradley in your back pocket. I mean, that's obviously not what we want Jackie Bradley to be, but
1: that might be what he something. is. Yeah. It might be what he is also. Yeah.
2: You, know, you guys are talking about how close this race is going to be. I mean, having little advantages like that 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 matters
1: yeah no i agree and if we start looking at him like that like i think if the idea of us trading him would imply that someone thought of him more than that if someone thinks of him just as that uh then you should keep him exactly yeah maybe we just need to you know change change our heads not like he's expensive so you know
0: uh for a couple more years anyway um, the Red Sox did send down Hector Velasquez to make room for Steven Wright, who was just activated. Um, they sent him down with a lower back strain. Uh, was this the correct move for a team trying to win
2: ballgames? Well, they didn't send him down. They put him on the DL.
0: Oh, yeah. They put him on the DL. Sorry. Um, I, I always think about... The, I mean, it's a bullshit
2: DL stint. So that's is it? Why. This is so weird. Because Why? What like, why would they make up an injury for him? If they were going to make up an injury, why wouldn't they do it for Brian Johnson when Velazquez could have just been sent down? I don't even know that it's not like a Phantom DL stint, but I don't get why they would do it. It doesn't really make sense. Like, Velazquez is the one guy that you could have gotten rid of without making up an injury.
0: I don't know, though. He just pitched, and there was, like, I know. no indication... Yeah, the, no,
1: I know. I'm agreeing with you. The only unless thing, they want to save the option,
2: right? Well, yeah. So a commenter brought that up, and also um, was saying maybe it's a way of like showing him. I know this kind of sucks that you're in this position, so we're not going to take you off the active roster. We're going to let you accrue some service time and get paid like a you major league for You can a few stay. Weeks. in Boston. You don't yeah, have to Yeah. Stay
1: cook, with a the contract. Get to hotels.
2: Yeah, but it's just, it's weird. I would have thought if they were going to do this, they would have done it to Brian Johnson. Yeah, it is a little strange. I don't know. but I think it... he might have something. I mean, I don't think it's a major injury, but I'm guessing he's probably a little sore. And They're just using this as a chance to give him a little bit of a
1: break.
0: Well, let's assume that this is a phantom DL stint for a second here, and let's try and figure out whether or not this was the right move for the team. Brian, what do you think about that?
1: i think that we it's may 15th and that having too much pishing is going to short sort itself out and it's probably not worth getting too worked up about this um because it's may 15th so while i would i don't have confidence in stephen wright and i know that's probably just because i haven't seen it recently and he's been fine but i generally right now feel would feel more confident with uh, Velazquez than Wright. but that's just not for the same reason that maybe they're sending him to the dl steven wright's been part of the organization want to give him his chance to come back i just think it'll sort itself out that's that's where i'm at i know you're not there where are you at jake
0: Um, I would prefer to have Velasquez on the roster right now instead of Stephen Wright, but I understand why the team did it. I think that um, valuing that depth is important, and I think that these are the types of players that if you don't have them, you might need them later on. So I think it makes sense from that perspective, Um, although I don't think it's best for the short-term future uh, of the team. Uh, But I get taking the long view here. Uh, Matt, I want to ask you, what do you think we can expect from Stephen Wright when he comes back?
2: I have no idea. Um, I mean, he hasn't really been healthy since summer 2016. So, I mean, he was pretty good that year until he pinch ran and hurt his shoulder and everybody wanted to murder John Farrell. Um, but that was so long ago. Plus, he throws a knuckleball. I don't know. I don't want to say that I know what to expect. I don't think anyone knows what to expect. I would say that I don't think he's going to be throwing in any anything other than a blowout for his first couple outings. Because I don't think the Red Sox know what to expect either.
0: So only Pomerantz starts? <laughs>
2: That's rough, man. Pomerantz has been pretty good his last couple of times, though.
0: Yeah, he has. He actually surprised me, bouncing back a little bit with... Uh... You
2: put some respect on that name.
0: <laughs> I don't know about that, but, I mean, I'll give him that the last couple starts have been a surprise.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I've I've always had a soft spot for Pomerantz. It's my dude. All
0: right. Well, let's look at the rest of the bullpen here. I think that... Um... The bullpen is going to get even more interesting when Tyler Thornburg works his way back. He's currently rehabbing at Pawtucket. um, And when he does come back, it seems like it's probably going to be one of Heath Hembry or Brian Johnson, two guys who are both out of options, uh, who get either traded or put on waivers. Um, How do you think that that's going to shake out? Because Thornburg seems to have been throwing the ball pretty well, mid-90s velocity uh, with the fastball. Curveball's been pretty good. It seems like he's doing pretty well in his recovery from thoracic outlet syndrome.
2: Um I don't know, his last couple of rehab outings have been pretty rough. Um he I know his fa- he gave up at least a whole run last night on a fastball that was like 89. So I was excited about Thorberg, I'm less excited now. Um as far as to make room, I don't think it's going to be Henry and I I'm writing about this for tomorrow, but Henry isn't really as bad as people make him out to be. Um, I actually think he's pretty good, so I would say Johnson. I think Henry's a an underrated part of this bullpen.
1: I totally agree. I don't understand why people. I mean, he had a bad outing, but people have been yeah. trashing him. But I think
2: I think they, it's a first impressions thing. He was bad when he first came here, and now he's kind of always thought of as bad.
1: And he looks like John Lackey, and no one likes yeah, that. Doesn't help. But, but also, I mean, just from watching them, it seems like uh, we uh, we talked about it last week. Like, I feel like Cora has more confidence in Henry than Carson Smith, um, yeah. or at least has up to this point. And Brian Johnson, I don't know. Last night, he was in like he was pumped up, and uh, he had a good inning. And I wonder. I feel like the idea that there be that he's sort of especially him knows every time he's pitching, he's sort of half trying out for a spot on this team and half trying out for a spot on another team. So that said, I don't know what's gonna happen. Um, i I just sort of disagree. I mean, it probably is gonna be Johnson because I am of the same opinion. Uh, of Matt with respect to Hembry. Jake what do you think? Um, I, I
0: agree that Heath Hembry has been a better pitcher than Brian Johnson and I think Hembry's issue is that he can't pitch to lefties is that correct?
2: Uh, he, So that's another thing he used to have like these major splits they're not that extreme anymore. Okay. I mean you don't want him against lefties but you don't want Matt Barnes or Carson Smith against lefties either.
0: But as I recall, he was pretty effective against— He's a right-handed against... reliever who's
2: better against righties, but right. if there's a lefty mixed in there, you don't feel— t-
0: Okay. Um, in terms of Brian Johnson, though, I think that the thing that makes him attractive to the team is that he serves as starter depth, too, if it gets to that point where you might need him. Um, so I think that they well, the team might well, try and protect that a little bit.
2: But how so, much
1: more do they need with Stephen Wright
2: yeah. there? And so, I wrote about this last week or over the weekend. And, I mean, you guys kind of convinced me because you know I was leaning towards Velazquez. But they have guys that fill Brian Johnson's role. I mean, starters, they have right Velazquez, Beeks, Shepard, Walden, Haley. I mean, they have a ton of arms that they can throw in the back of the rotation. And lefties, they have Pointer. They have probably Scott. They have Williams, Jarrahs. They have Beeks if they need them. I mean, they... I don't really see him—I know you want to hold on to depth, but when you can't stash into the minors, I don't know if it's that valuable.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense, and Henry probably makes a lot more sense in the short term.
2: Yeah, and Henry can go multiple innings, too. I think that's another underrated part about him. He'll go two innings, throw six, seven outs when you need him
1: to. So the Drew Pomerant starts. (laughs) God damn it.
0: So you're saying we should package JBJ, Brian Johnson, and Blake Swihart, and uh, trade them for Trout?
1: I think and Otani. Yeah, I
2: think a lot of people want to like think that that package is going to get them like <laughs> Zach Britton or something like that. Like no, Zach Britton's been getting a lot of buzz lately.
0: That package might get you something useful though. I don't know. It might get you a, a yeah, defensive-minded outfielder that. who can hit more consistently than Bradley, maybe.
2: Well, I, I, I guess Bra- that's everybody.
0: I, think, I don't yeah. think
2: Swihart or Johnson have like any value. I think Bradley has more value than probably a lot of other people would say.
0: I think you might be underrating the value of those two guys. I know we've disagreed about this before on the pod, but I, I feel like other teams – that would pounce immediately if they went to waivers would be willing to not risk him going to waivers and losing him that way to trade for eh,
2: I mean they've had their chance since spring training I mean I think it's been pretty clear for a while now that they don't really have spots on this roster and nobody's really jumping or at least that I know of is really jumping at the chance to trade for them
0: yeah it's true it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out because it's probably going to play out by the time we're on the pod next or at least the the very next time. So we'll know. Um, David Price situation. This is a sort of the big topic recently. Um, There's been a lot of stuff going on with David Price and uh, having the injury uh, concerns. He missed the start in New York. um, And then – people were kind of fearing the worst, you know, because it was uh, the numbness in the hand came back and people were thinking that it could be something more serious. However, it was diagnosed as carpal tunnel and there was a lot made of this whole uh, fortnight thing. And, you know, it, was, it kind Christ. of just got ridiculous. Um, but I want to ask you guys to take a bird's eye view on the price situation since he's gotten here in Boston. Uh, how do you think he's handled his time here in Boston in general?
1: Not, first. Well, not well. I mean, I want, I want to be a contrarian, and I want to say that it's entirely of the media's making, or at least mostly of the media's making, or that the media is overblowing how prices. But the truth is, and I thought this from the very beginning, the Price and the Boston media are so similar that they have to fight just to – or he needs to fight them just to feel something. And when he's going bad, when he's going good, he wants the adulation. But when he's bad, he wants to strike back. It's a uh, it certainly gives him material. <laughs> it certainly is a good place for him to continue mixing it up. It's not a smooth ride. He has no interest in making it a smooth ride. Um, and then on top of that, just weird stuff has happened. And there's never been I mean, the first year it was sort of just David Price goes out and pitches and he wasn't, you know, he was fine, but he wasn't as good as people hoped. And I think that, that David Pri that idea of what he is is sort of stuck through these weird things that have happened, and he has not <laughs> he fights back when all people want to do is see him pitch better. So if he really wants to be happy, he's just got to do that because it seems like his relationship with the fans and the media and the team all bases is all based off his performance. Um, but it, in a way that really bothers him when he's not going well. So I wouldn't say it's been great. There are he hasn't
2: handled it as well as he could have. But I mean, he's also in a position where he's set up to fail. There are a lot of media members and a lot of fans who want him to pitch poorly and they can say whatever they want. It's, it's very clear um, that there's a certain section of the media that is psyched when something negative happens with David Price. Um, And it just seems like all of these things that he doesn't handle as well as he could get way more, pressed than they should i mean even that eckersley last thing last year i mean jesus christ are we kidding with how much like adulation how much we adore dennis eckersley like no we're not we, kidding come on people are acting like this was literally jesus christ well, that okay, david fine. christ I was g- like yelling at
1: i grant you all of this i grant you every single bit of that my only <laughs> issue with pinning this entirely well in the media was that david oh, Price was a free agent said he wanted to come here for this very reason so that's why i don't have as much sympathy oh he as-
2: definitely is part of this too and like yeah. last week when he was talking to the media and he started talking about like all the things he was allergic to and all that it's like you gotta read the room there's no reason for you to be telling people that and giving them ammo so he's definitely to blame too but I think the whole video game thing is kind of uh, a way to look at this, and it's clear that people are looking for reasons to shit on this guy. I mean, Shaughnessy's column about that was literally, I googled Carpal Tunnel and it said video games affect it sometimes, so I'm going to write an entire column in the Boston Globe about Fortnite. I mean, it's it's a two-way street. David Price is part of it, but the media is part of it too.
0: I think I don't think that fans want him to fail, though. I really think there that are. People...
2: I can promise you there are fans that want him to
0: but, fail. But why would you want him to? Because if David Price like fails, him. the Red Sox are hurt by that. And also, if you don't like him, the best case scenario is that he opts out of his contract.
2: Yeah, I don't think you've met Red Sox fans. I mean, there yeah. are Red Sox fans that want to be miserable.
1: So, well, and the opt out, I think, is a. It's very basic stuff to us, but I think that that is probably a little bit far afield for people who are just reacting to the Red Sox. And look, we know – Jake, I know you know some Red Sox fan types who would be excited to see David Price fail. Um, But we don't need to get dizzy about that right now.
0: So I want to recap some of the things that have happened over David Price's time here in Boston. Um, just to remind some people of kind of all the nonsense. Um, the Price X situation, um, Matt, you think that's blown out of proportion? I do think it was really shitty for him to yell at somebody who's doing oh his
1: job God. who criticizes him. Um, Price or, yells at or hold on, yell, any, yell at anybody. Right. At least and, twice yeah, a year.
2: He shouldn't have done it, but my God, it's been so long. I I d I don't know. It really drives me insane how but what are
0: you doing yelling wrong. at a former Hall of Famer who's just announcing the games who like why do you care what he says?
2: Why
1: do it you wasn't care even about, about, about David Price.
2: Right. Yeah, so I think if it was a lot of if it was somebody that people generally liked, it would have been, hey look, he's defending his teammate. But David Price it was yelling at a guy whose best years came with the A's. I don't know. It was not a good thing to do. It was not as bad as it's being made out to be.
0: I don't know. He also yelled at Evan Drellick for really no reason because he didn't like what Drellick had written about him. Um, He missed time in 2017 with an elbow strain that turned out to be a quote-unquote clean elbow. Um, David Price actually called it pristine. Uh, 2016 was a good year, but a disappointment in terms of his ERA. Um, Price is 27 postseason 2017 postseason was great as a reliever. Um, Price in 2018 has been below average. Uh, he's been an average pitcher um, in terms of, you know, the results I think. But it's fair to say that his command, his velocity, and his repertoire are not the same as they used to be. He did make that weird comment about Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks. I don't know if you guys remember that. That pissed a lot of people off. It was like. What? if i come to the ballpark and i give starbucks
2: to uh, all the people that work there people will be upset at me because i didn't bring dunkin donuts and it was like that's published a great, in the great
1: david price impression
2: thank you <laughs> thank
0: you um but yeah dunkin no.
2: donuts sucks anyways let's get that out
0: there but oh jesus matt you didn't have to do that on this podcast
1: um, not, i'm, I'm not i live in new york but i wouldn't even say that
0: yeah God. that's it's fucked up It's
1: not good coffee. Uh, But then the Fortnite
0: thing, I think that the reason why that got blown so out of proportion, and I think that the Boston media certainly did blow that out of proportion, but David Price, Jesus Christ, man, how much of a layup is it to say, I won't play that game anymore if it He did say that. No, he didn't. He said he wouldn't play it in the clubhouse. That's what he said.
2: He said he was going to cut down on his video games if that's what it took.
0: Cut down. You just say, I won't play anymore. That's it. Just okay. Tell people okay you're want right to he
2: probably should have said that but if that's the criticism that he should be lying because people are insane then i mean that's not all price but it's optics dude you make
0: 30 million dollars a year to pay
2: oh don't like, give me the salary he i don't know like i said he could be handling this better but if you're like gonna let the media off the hook for the insanity that video games are being brought into this at all and come on it's absurd
0: You talked about the allergies thing, too, though. I mean, every time he gets a layup in terms of like, hey, what can I say here to not make me seem like a complete out of touch person? He just goes the opposite way and just completely butchers it.
2: Yeah, he could be handling it better. All I'm saying is like the media is part of this, too. The media is awful. Let's be honest. There's a lot of this media that is garbage and a lot of it's centering around David Price.
0: I think he deserves a lot of it though, the, with the with the way that he's acted so far. There's so many there are so many points that I can think back to in his time here where if he just said something else, it would have stopped. Or to pander to less. an
2: absurdly like out of its mind media though, like that's what he's supposed to be avoiding, right?
0: But wouldn't that make him make his life easier if he did pander to them a little bit? Like sometimes you it it just makes sense not to swim upstream
2: sure but i kind of get like i don't know if this is where he's coming from but i've definitely been in situations where i could do something that would be a lot easier but it just like drives me nuts that i would even have to do it that i just don't do it and i make my life harder just because it's a weird situation that i don't want to give into so it's definitely not the best quality about me and if that's something that david price has too it's not the best quality about him but i get it like, imagine having to deal with Dan Shaughnessy asking you about fucking Fortnite. Are you kidding me? I don't know if I would be able to... I He's probably handling it better than I would be able to.
0: I don't know, man. I think I'd be okay going home to my mansion and my $30 million a year salary. I
2: Jake, I don't... You're allowed I don't, to have problems when you make a lot of money. Like Not only are you allowed
1: to, to you're to. going to.
2: Yeah. Like, Jake, athletes are allowed to be annoyed.
1: Jake, let yep. me just tell you something right here. Ready? Yeah. Mo' money... No problems. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree with that.
0: Let's talk come. about his on-the-field performance, though, because that has been troublesome. Um, we know that he's transitioned as a pitcher from the time that he got here. In 2016, when he arrived, he looked a lot like the pitcher that he was in the past. He was throwing a decent amount of cutters, a little bit more than he had before. Um, he was throwing the curveball consistently, the change up 22% of the time. Uh, All those things have dipped aside from the cutter and the fastball recently. Uh, The fastball cutter, um, he's throwing about 80% of the time, um, and he's throwing the curveball only 3% of the time now, and the changeup just about 16% of the time. So his repertoire is different. It's more hard stuff, almost no breaking stuff. Um, He's clearly a diminished pitcher than he was before. The velocity is down. I guess I want to know from you guys how do you think he'll finish the year, and do you think he ends up opting out of his contract?
2: I don't think there's any way he opts so out. Yeah, I doubt I'm, it. I would be very surprised. Um, I think he's gonna be a high threes ERA the rest of the way. He's kind of start throwing that curveball more. Um, I mean, what he's commanding is cutter. It works. But you can't, you can't really survive fastball cutter in this league as a starter. He's got he's
1: to make something else in there.
0: Yeah, and he's doing that 81% of the time right now.
1: Yeah, that's I not good. To me, I think that it depends on which Porcello you think we have. Uh, but he seems to be have the same sort of range of outcomes as Porcello. Uh, he's been pitching at the lower end, and Por- Porcello's been pitching at the higher end. But uh, – I don't. I think that in aggregate they could end up with about the same sort of numbers if last night with Porcello is an indication that those sort of you'll get roughed up every once in a while, not all the time. So the A's I have would a say, sneaky
0: good lineup too, though, Brian.
1: They do. They do have a sneaky good. They hit a lot of home runs, which is the Porcello thing. Um, I think that my, my bet would be on Porcello finishing with better numbers, but David Price a little bit behind him and E-Rod, in the Erod zone as well.
2: Finishing with better numbers or having better numbers the rest of the way? Who would you bet on?
1: Oh, I'd, I'd say both. Uh, Porcello would probably be my favorite for both.
2: Yeah, I, I think so too, which I was definitely not expecting coming into the
1: A better question is Erod. Oh, Who E-Rod do you think is Well, yeah. he was great last time. Yeah, he's I, striking out a ton of guys, but uh, still just afraid. Man, if that dude just decides to stop nibbling, he's just gonna run over people.
2: Yeah, it's like he doesn't realize how good he is, and it's so frustrating.
1: And he came in that Yankees game. It's raining, and he's just—you could see—he's yeah. pissed off and just wants to get out of the inning. He's just blowing people off the field.
2: Yeah, he's a monster. I want—I want to be in on Ed so bad. I mean, his stuff is tremendous. He has the tools to do it. He just, until I see him do it for like a month in a row, I'm not totally going to be bought in.
1: This is how I always felt about John Lester, sort of at the same age too. Um, it, Which seems weird to say now, but that was a yeah. long time ago, you know? Um, I mean, Lester was better uh, ERA wise, but he, if, yeah. Uh, so who do you think who do you think will be better here on out, Price or Erod, assuming full health and they pitch out the year?
2: I gotta say Price, but it wouldn't really surprise me if it ended up being Rodriguez. I'd go Erod,
1: just based on
0: how their repertoires look right now. I gotta go with talent right now, and I just don't think that Price is as talented a pitcher as he used to be.
2: No, definitely not. I think he's. I mean, still, when Price throws that little backdoor cutter to righties and he's still able to locate that sometimes. When he has a night where he's locating that, it's over. That pitch is sick.
0: Brian, I wanted to ask you something about Price. Um, How much of his adversarial relationship with the media do you think has to do with the fact that he is an aging superstar, which in sports is sort of one of those cliches that, you know, an aging superstar, once they start losing their ability to be great, it makes it really difficult for them to sort of reconcile that. And oftentimes they can be super moody and difficult to coach. And it's like, it's the same reason why Phil Jackson really didn't want to coach Jordan towards the end of his career. Like how much of that do you think contributes to this?
1: I think that price, I mean, my thought, my view on price the whole time is that the reason he gets in tips with the media is that he's just as opinionated and sort of forcefully opinionated as the members of the media. So to him, he gets more bothered because he feels like he will – he knows what they should be doing better in a better way, or at least that they should be doing it in a different way. So I I just think that he is – I don't know. I feel like he could be in media when his career is over. He just can't deal with it very well right now because he's inside of it and subject to it, Um, which some other people are able to let run off their back a lot better. He just can't because I think he's just like that.
0: So do you think he would be like this if he was pitching like 2015 David Price?
1: No, I think it's directly correlated to how he pitches. I think that's – it's not true of all players that the, when they're hitting well, you know, they're or pitching well, that they're friendlier. With him, I think it's transparent. When he's going yeah. well, he's happier, and when he's going poorly, he's not. Would happy. the
2: media be like this if he was 2015 David Price?
1: Oh, I mean, partially, not. yeah. No, yeah, part I mean that's so part of like... it too.
2: And I mean that's like you say, that's on him too. He's not pitching well, and that's going to happen. But um, I don't know. I've, I've made my thoughts pretty clear on the media. I'm not a fan.
0: Do you guys think that he finishes the year with a sub-4
2: ERA?
1: I think no. he's going to be right at four.
2: Yeah, I think he's going to be right around there. So
0: if he is right around four ERA, and let's just assume, like Price says, he's not going to miss any more starts for the rest of the year. Um, so will put him right around, I don't know, 190, 200 innings pitched for the year. Um Do you believe, well, what do you think his value would be on the open market? Like, what kind of a
2: contract would he get?
1: If this Uh, offseason is any indication, not a great one.
2: Yeah, it it really depends on what you think of what just happened in the last offseason. And, like, what kind of factors you think played into it and how much of a role each of those factors played. I really have no idea how to judge the free agent market right now.
0: I mean, do you think it would be as low as, like, a one-year deal, or do you think he'd get something like 3 and 50?
1: Mm. I mean, is he going to Baltimore?
2: <laughs> Let's say he goes he would to never St. Pa- Louis. He would never pass an Orioles physical. No, he
1: wouldn't.
2: Um, say, like, two years with a third option, maybe? That sounds right.
0: Okay, and would it be, like, two years at high money?
2: Not too high. I don't think teams
1: are going to pay half of what he's making now, honestly.
2: Maybe. Yeah,
1: Yeah, maybe like the high teens.
0: Okay, so let's say two years, 18 million bucks with an option for a third year, a co-option. So player and team have to opt in. So that's like a $56 million deal or something like that that he gets from the Cardinals. Um, He's owed 127 with the Red Sox going forward. Uh, obviously a lot more money than 56, but he has made $153 million to this point in his career. Do you think that that is going to be the deciding factor in this, or do you think he's unhappy enough that another $50 million isn't going to make the difference for someone who's made $150 million already?
1: Um, I think you answered your own question. I think you answered your own question. This is like when Dave Chappelle turned down the $50 million and went to Africa and came back. Um, and he, uh, said, you know, it, you, you say you have principal cause you turned down $50 million and you got to sit down and tell your wife that, Hey, I, here's why I turned down $50 million. $50 well, million dollars is $50 million.
2: Yeah. And it's not just him. He's part of a union and the, right. u- the union would not be very happy, especially with like the dynamic between the league and the union right now. They don't want him leaving that money on the table. Plus, is he that? I mean, he definitely is not a fan of the media. But there's really no signs that, like him and his teammates. I think he likes being with the Red Sox. I think he likes the organization. I think he likes the clubhouse. I think he likes his teammates. I think it's mostly just the media he doesn't like. And I don't think that's enough to let it make him leave all that money on the table.
1: He certainly has this Cheshire cat grin in the clubhouse, in the uh, in the dugout every time you see him. Yeah, I mean, I've never heard
2: anything other than, like, he gets along with his teammates and his teammates like him.
0: I think as long as he pitches reasonably well that he's out of here. I really do. I think he's made enough money that it doesn't matter.
2: I can't see it. Like I said, I think the union plays a big role in it. I don't know how much of a role he has in the union, but I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on players to take the money you can take
1: right now. Also, also, the only reason I disagree with – You Jake, is that he wouldn't have signed this contract in the first place if he didn't care about money?
0: No, I agree, and but I think that he cared about money more when he signed this deal. You have to think about what he's coming off of. He was coming off of like six years where he was in the conversation for best pitcher in baseball. You know, he he wasn't foreseeing this type of situation. There was no way that David Price could have thought that he would be this version of David Price this soon in his career. And I think that that. Coupled with the media, has come as a pretty severe shock to the system for him, and I think he's still adjusting to it.
2: We got to uh, we got to come up with a little friendly wager on this. On on the opt out. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I Figure think that's a, that's a good idea. We'll think about that and update the listeners. Gambling time.
2: is legal now, guys.
0: <laughs> that's true. Um, let's get to listener questions, guys. Um, Devin comes to us with his first one. He says. What should we seriously expect between the Yankees and Red Sox this season? Is it a battle or will one separate? Brian, we'll go to you first.
1: I think we're just going to see what we saw last time, um, which is these games that I think the Red Sox may have an advantage uh, going forward, but these games are all played on the head of a pin. You know, they could have gone either way, uh, all three of them. So, uh yeah, it's just me more. That this is what this is what it was like for a long time, and it's back. It's back. It's gonna be close. That's what I think. Matt, do you, you see? Did uh,
2: yeah, I agree. Did you see that Hanley was asked that question though? Did you see what he yeah. said? Yes. Yeah. He's did. the man. He's basically just like hell. No, it's not staying like this. We're about to run away with it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love, love Hanley.
1: When did yeah. you say that?
2: <laughs> right after the series.
1: That's awesome.
2: Yeah. And uh, he went. And he went. And he
1: went up to uh J.D. Martinez before the home run and was like, you have to hit a home run right now.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I think it's going to be like this, and I think that that last uh, series in uh, October is actually going to be
2: the September. They play each other the last series of the year. Uh, Yeah, and I hate it. I hate it.
0: Uh, They play each other. uh, Actually, it's at the end of September, so it's uh, the 28th, 29th, and 30th, and they also play them in new york the 18th 19th and 20th of september so those six games i think will probably determine the division
2: i already have anxiety for that
1: series (laughs) (laughs) the middle one yeah the middle of september that's when they should be playing the last games it really annoys me because yes it could be epic but it all could also mean nothing so
0: yeah it certainly could but i think uh the league's banking on that. The Red Sox have a tough road trip though at the end of September. They have New York for three games, followed by Cleveland for three games. So. Is
2: Cleveland good? Are we sure?
0: Uh,
2: I think I think. No, I'm just kidding. Good. I think they're
0: good. Yeah. Um, I actually think that um, we should move on to our next question. Uh, Mark Kingman asks us, "What's your favorite thing to do after a nail-biting Sox W to try and relax?" Uh. I'm going to ask you first, Matt, because uh, I don't think you've missed a game this year.
2: Just one. Um, Go to bed, usually. I usually wake up pretty early, so I turn on Netflix. I watch some sitcom that I've seen a million times, and that's what I fall asleep to pretty much every night.
1: Brian, how about you? I do the crossword puzzle because it pops up at 10 10 p.m., (laughs) so I do the crossword, and then I go to sleep.
2: Nice. I drink scotch. Um There you go. Shout out shout out to Mark. He's from Haverhill. I don't know who he is, but I looked at his Twitter and he's from Haverhill. I'm also from Haverhill, so shout out to Mark for that.
0: What's the Haverhill High mascot? The Hillies. Haverhill High Hillies. There we go. Hilly pride. Nobody
2: knows Nobody knows what a Hilly is, but that's what we are. Uh,
1: Moncton hey, Stout. Hey, Matt. Matt, you know what the Martha's Vineyard team name is? What's that? <laughs> the Vineyarders. That's so dumb. <laughs> Can you
0: find a logical reason that Swihart is on the roster and getting at bats as a DH? Uh, I think I'll take this one. Uh, not really. And it will probably not be on the roster in 10 days. Um, Carlos Cepeda asks us, where does Pedroia bat when the lineup in the lineup when he returns? Uh, Brian, where do you think you do the lineups almost every
1: day? That's a very good question. Um, Cause you get like respect issues and uh... Uh, my my guess is sixth. It's in, uh, behind two and in front of who? I didn't I didn't want to get into this part because it's unfortunate. Uh, like he sh- he should probably hit lower, but I feel like he's Dustin Pedroia and they'll they'll put him as high as they can. Um, Matt, do you think he's going to bet like second? I kind of do. Um, yeah, that's the other spot, but.
2: Yeah, it kind of depends how Benintendi's going, I guess. I guess lefties, they might put them, bump him up to second. You know? Yeah, I think he'll definitely be second against lefties. Um, I, I think he's going to start out at second. Um, I don't really know what happens beyond that. I don't know if they're going to like totally overhaul it or just move Benintendi down to like sixth or something. I don't know. It's a good problem to have, though.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you, Matt. I think he's going to be batting second most of the time. Uh, he's just been such a good OBP guy over the years, and he's done a lot with the plate. And I think they want to give him a chance to see whether or not he, he's going to recover like old Pedroia uh, from this surgery. Because the big thing about this surgery was that this was sort of a, a long-term move looking towards the remainder of his contract. So uh, it's potential here that Pedroya could really bounce back. Um, Next question here is Ben Rusnak, uh, and he says, thoughts on Devers, even though he just hit a solo home run last game, do you think he'll be in the lineup uh, with uh, hitting 250 with 10 errors? When Pedroia comes back, do you think Holt moves to third? Matt, what do you think? Uh,
2: If anybody's going to third, it's Nunez. But no, they're not going to give up on Devers. That's crazy talk. Yeah. Uh, He'll be there. He'll be there for a while. Also, Holt has a noodle arm. Yeah. Holt is weird. Like he has so much versatility, but he's, you don't really feel great about him anyway.
1: Brian, you agree? Yeah, definitely. But the thing with Devers is is, dude is 21. So I don't, I know that the errors are one thing and the average is one thing dude is 21. It can certifiably bomb. I, I consider it like, I don't worry too much about him.
0: Next question. Gordon Comstock asks us, uh, how is the Mookie and Trout uh, war neck and neck right now? Uh, Mookie is a two-time gold glover and widely considered one of the best defensive players in baseball and is strongly outperforming Trout offensively. So why are the numbers so close, guys?
2: Um, Center field versus right field I think is probably the biggest part. And he's not out hitting him by as much as you would think. Mike Trout is incredible. Mike Trout has a 197 OPS plus. Betts has a 212. So the positional adjustment kind of makes up for it. Also, what is Trout has half a win more than him. Um, don't get hung up on like small differences in WAR. Even Dave Cameron said that the margin of error is like a full win. So that's why I don't like WAR. they they've been neck and neck.
1: Yeah. Also, like, it's Mike Trout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the the, uh, the the main thing to remember is that he's not. If you if we can't figure out who's better between these two, you've already answered any question you need to answer. Yeah,
0: it's already like, a win right there.
1: Right. So the MVP vote in the theoretical MVP in the vote in the future, if it ended right now with similar, it would be fa- You know, an all-time fascinating discussion. Let's wait. Until that point, but until that point, um, they're just like I watching Mookie now is just a a very, very special privilege. Uh, That even with the like, even with Chris Sale, um, I feel like what Mookie is doing now is a little bit more impressive uh, because Chris Sale is just not at the very peak of his powers. Um, and that when you're dealing with the the peaks of all-time greats, even the smallest differences just look so much, so much different to watch. He's just – he's great. And then Mike Trout just does the same thing every year. That's the other incredible part. But there's no – it's not a silly discussion by any means. It's a perfectly logical one.
0: Due to voter fatigue, I think that if Mookie finishes within 10% of Trout in terms of – offensive stats. At the end of the year, I think that Mookie wins his first MVP.
1: 100%. I agree. am uh, so looking forward to those debates. Well, I mean, it's what happened last year.
2: Right. I mean, he got hurt though, Trout. Got so hurt the thing long. about Trout MVP fatigue though is he's only won twice. I mean, he should have like six, but he's finished second so. every other time yeah. he hasn't yeah, won, I right? I mean, you're probably right. It's just so unfair.
1: Yeah. Like he get he, his fatigue started before he even won well, I mean, MVP but look, Pedro won three Cy Youngs. Um, it's not, yeah. And I Trout. I mean, but trout is, and this is amazing to say trout is better. I would say all around than Pedro. I mean, it's hard to quantify well, those two, but I know, I know. I don't I'm, want to, say. I'm not going to go there. I don't, right. uh, don't want to say it, but, uh, is trout better than everyone who's ever played so far? Um, Let's just keep them separate. Okay, we'll keep them separate. We'll, yeah. s- we'll stick it with the offense.
0: Yeah, that I feel better about that. I don't want anybody to ever be better than Pedro at
1: 99-2000. Sure, any given season. I mean, no given season is better than that, um, except for Pointer next year.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, last question of the day comes from Aaron. He asks us, given the goal of staying under the luxury tasks. Tax, is there any realistic way the Sox could add a reliever without shipping out Brock Holt in his roughly two million dollar salary? Not saying they will with Thornberg coming back, but does it limit the options if needed? Matt, what do you think?
2: All I'll say is that if they let that move, that uh that two thirty seven mark stop them from improving the bullpen. I'm gonna be a very angry boy online. That ten draft spot that ten drafts draft spot drop, that's tough to say. Uh that's not as big of a penalty as people are making it out to be, and it's become a major win by owners around the league to make that seem like some sort of major
1: penalty. Brian, do you agree? Yeah, of course. Win the World Series when you can. Yeah. I totally agree. If they don't do
0: that, that's shame on John Henry and everybody involved. Yeah, All right. Um, that about does it for the show. Um, if you enjoyed the show, you can go on and uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also rate and review us there give us a five-star review. Tell us we're great. Um, there are a few of you who have already done that, so thank you if you have. Um, and you can follow these gentlemen on Twitter, Brian at Brian Joyner, Brian with a Y, Joyner with an I, Matt at, at Matt RY Collins. And really, you're going to want to follow Matt at the Over the Monster Twitter handle because he's responsible for most of those tweets as well. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at DevJake, and uh, thank you for listening to the show. We'll be with you again next week.